Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo, or at least one of them. It kind of depends, and probably some rando too. But no complaining, because this is free. Free! This is Beauty and the Beta bonus audio content. Hey folks, I'm here with Sorting Myself Out. I know we said that we were going to host this on my channel, but I go to set it up this morning and I've had my streaming capabilities taken away. So Sorting Myself Out was helpful enough to do this on his channel. I really appreciate that and sorry to everybody that's on my channel looking for this right now, but thank you for streaming and thank you for joining me today. Um, for the people that are coming from my channel, why don't you just give them a little introduction of who you are, what your channel's about, what it's called, everything like that. So my name's Andrew. I started this channel about six months ago, trying to improve my life according to the works of Jordan B. Peterson. So I was someone who used to be a social justice warrior, and I began to see things differently. And I was that typical person, you know, staying in the basement, playing video games, just thinking that there's so much wrong in the world and complaining. And I've just been chronicling myself as I've been trying to see things differently and sort myself out. So why don't you tell people that are unfamiliar a little bit about the self-authoring program? Um, as far as I know, it's it's generally like a post-adolescent um, guide to improving your life and like moving millennials from listlessness to purpose. Is that, a, is that an okay summary? <laughs> yes. So there's four different components to it. There's the past. There's two parts for your present where you look at your your vir virtues and your faults and then and then the f uh, future. So I, I did all of them. The past, I, I believe Jordan Peterson says that if you have any memories older than 18 months and if you bring them up and you still have an emotional attachment to it, it's as if part of your soul is stuck in the past. And I, I certainly had that. So I went through that, but especially I saw a big change in myself by doing the future authoring program where it gets you to envision yourself five years in the future. You come up with the future, what it would look like should all of your bad habits get worse, a future that you'd like to avoid, and then also a future you'd like to work towards should you get yourself sorted out. So what were a few things that, that you were struggling with um, when you decided to employ the self-authoring program? I was very lazy. I kept putting things off. I didn't have uh, a clear goal. I had an idea of what I would like to do, but I never actually put in the, the time to exactly think of what it was. And also I was uh, smoking marijuana every day at the time. Yeah, yeah. I think that this is like, this is a generational affliction. Like I definitely am plagued with laziness. It is really, really difficult for me to to do stuff, to put out videos on time. It's just always a struggle. Like I know people that wake up and just jump out of bed and they are like that all day. And I envy them because I just feel like these mundane things are such a struggle. So I have developed a few tactics to help me um, stay on track on a daily basis. And I know that the self-authoring program talks about that. So what are a few things that you've done to help combat this, uh, this laziness? I started small. When I first uh, heard of Jordan Peterson, it was when he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. And I, I only wanted to listen because I had heard of him for how he was combating against these social justice warriors because I was just coming out of that 
stage. And I had tried before many times to get my life in order and I just found I, I couldn't do it. And what I had heard him say is to sp start with the small things. So I started cleaning my room and keeping it clean and organized and just tried to spend minimal parts of, of the day of just doing the things I, I knew I needed to do. I, I feel like for so long, I just felt as if, if, if I need to change the, the part of me that needs to change is the same part that needs to do the changing that wants to change. I just figured ah, I can't do it. It'll, and I, I just get, I stopped trying. Yeah. And then, so when I heard him speak, I thought, okay, well, if I can at least clean my room, cause I'd always known that, that if I had organized it, I'd be able to clean it once in a while. I'd, I'd feel so much better and feel more organized. And then a few days later it would get uh, messy again. So I just started with that and trying to keep a good diet, start, start going to the gym. And then from there, I've, I just have found it easier to do more and more each day. Yeah, that's definitely how I started too. And sometimes things are in such disarray in your personal life that just the thought of like how many things, how many areas of your life that need to be altered, that in and of itself is so overwhelming that the task is, is just too daunting. You just, you just can't do it. And so that's what I did. I was like, the first thing I did was um, I quit drinking because it was just, it was like my, my worst vice at that time. It was the thing affecting me most. And so I kind of categorized what was doing the most damage in my life and then tackled those things one by one. And then once you've developed kind of a normal routine, you're working out, you're eating healthy, then you can add a few more things. And I've heard you talk about this in your channel, but um, I'm a big list maker. And so I have, a, I have a daily list. But if I put too many things on that, I really feel like I'm way more likely to get nothing on it done. Can you talk a little bit about that, like overwhelming yourself with too many tasks or too much change? So the, the first change that I, I tried w was to stop smoking marijuana. I, I had known in my life that if I was having it every day, it I found that for me, it made me more lazy and I, I couldn't just, I'd find it an accomplishment if I could uh, do my laundry for the day. Um, so when I did the future authoring program, I didn't know exactly what I wanted and for the future, but I thought at least I can paint a picture of the future I want to avoid. So I, I started with just trying to stop smoking marijuana. And then event, I found from that, I had more ambition to do things. So when I first made a schedule, Again, I didn't know exactly what I wanted, so I filled it with, okay, I'm going to read for an hour every day. I'm going to write an essay for an hour every day and work out, uh, learn music, uh, meditate. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I did too, and I just wouldn't get anything done because there was no larger overarching goal, um, and that was the real problem for me. Like, I, if If I didn't have a bigger goal, I just wasn't going to do these things. So now what I do is like I have a daily list, and then a monthly list. And so when I skip these things, like I, I want to finish Rules for Radicals by the end of the month. I'm supposed to be reading 15 pages every day. I like never do it. But it does give me an opportunity to procrastinate like a little bit, but to still achieve the goal within the confines of the month. So so what kind of strategies have you developed that are, you know, that are that are helping you now that you've done the self-authoring program, that you've kind of had some of these pitfalls like I have? When I first realized that I thought if I try to just narrow it down to a few goals that that would help. So I, I tried to just focus on diet and exercise because that's, that's been an issue for me most of my life. But then even, even still, I found that because I was so focused on one thing, 
yeah. that I felt more pressure and that if I wasn't uh, moving towards a goal, I'd just, for the rest of the day, I'd just get so lazy and say, oh, I failed at this. There's no yeah, point in trying there's no it. point. So, yeah. what, so what I've recently done was I, I made a checklist of different things I would like to do. It's not a, a schedule, but I, I just check off what I'm doing so I can actually see the amount of work I'm doing each day. And also, I just I revisited the future authoring program and said, okay, I don't have an exact idea of what I want, but I know that there's certain things that I want. I, I want to be able to work for myself. So I've, I'm, I'm learning Photoshop and trying to develop my skills in video editing, uh, th things like that, Just or, or reading. I'm trying to read things that would help me with these uh, skills I, I want to build because I I know that it would it would lead to something. So I feel more right. motivated to do them. So what are some of the most common excuses that you find yourself engaging in when you need to get some stuff done, but you don't have a really tight deadline, you don't want to do it? Um, we get pretty creative in those situations. Like I find myself making excuses and I'm like, wow, that is, that is like full on mental gymnastics right there. <laughs> well, I've always, so say for, for, if it comes to diet and exercise, especially with diet, I'll say, well, I've been doing good. It's okay to just have one little break. You can't be perfect all the time. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, I'll just have one little piece of cake. Um, or uh, I can't work out this much. It's going to wear me out. I, I need a rest day. Or for, for other tasks, I'll, I'll just, I'll try to find something, something else to do. Um, yeah, I find that it's just, I've heard it that there's ego depletion. So that at first you have you have this will yeah. to do something, yeah. And yeah. then if I have a thought telling me to do something else, and I, I swipe it away, it's it's you're depleting your resources of your will. And then so eventually, yeah, so many excuses just come floating in, and at that point, it's just so easy to give in to them. That's definitely true. I try to give myself micro rewards, and I found that this is pretty pretty effective. Like if I need to buy something or something like that, um, I'll have to replace an old item and that's a good incentive for me, you know, not to hold on to things, not to spend money unnecessarily. Um, so do you ever do that? Like engage in healthy micro rewards, not, ne not necessarily like an excuse, like, oh, I need today off, but like uh, schedule a day where you eat unhealthy or give yourself like a cheap break, things like that. Yeah. So when I first tried to make my schedule, I, I wanted it to be perfect. But then I've been getting a lot of good suggestions on this channel that I have through comments. And people had suggested that if you make it a goal to actually go off of to eat something that wouldn't be considered healthy, that when it happens, because I, I pretty much know that within two weeks, I'll have at least one meal that's not considered healthy. So if I, if I didn't have that scheduled, I'd, I'd feel really bad about it. And I might ruin the the rest of the day by having one bad thing i just go where if i have it scheduled i don't have that negative emotion and i, I don't fall back into an old pattern of just saying forget right. it and the ego depletion too yeah maybe the ego is wrapped up in this more than i had previously anticipated but before we went live we were talking about accountability and how our our experiences on our channels are a little bit different because um, you have, you're doing sorting myself out presumably um, because you want the interactions with the audience to be 
kind of an incentive to keep you accountable to this process of sorting yourself out. So if you could just talk a little bit about um, accountability. I know you said you weren't going to post until you achieved a certain weight loss goal or something like that, and that didn't come to fruition, and so you've done a few different things. If you could talk about what's worked, what hasn't worked, that'd be really great. So when I, I'm, I can't remember how long that was ago, maybe just over a month, I just found that I was so sick of every week coming and having to say a video where, oh, look, I messed up again. And because when I, this is just one part. I know that if you're trying to sort yourself out, that there's many different things that you can do. And people have been saying, look, look your weight isn't that much of an issue. You're somewhat overweight, but it's not like you're incredibly obese. But I just found that I, I wasn't making the progress that I wanted to. And I thought this will be a, an incentive reward that if I say I can't post a video because I, I enjoy doing this, I thought that will motivate me. But again, it didn't work. Um, Do you think it was just too much of a goal? I mean, that's that's really difficult. And I think your weight loss goal, weren't, didn't you want to lose like 40 pounds or something like that? I, I can't remember what it was. I think I was like 230 and I wanted to get... To, to 210 something like that where i don't i've just been having trouble with it like so in my in my life i've i, I played rugby so i was always active and now I, I haven't been playing for a few years but always i've been able to say i've been as high as 280 but i've been able to get to 190 and i that's just when i feel i feel that if i get to that weight i feel so much more confident and more productive and can do things so i i know that it's your health isn't reflected by the weight scale, but I've just always had a psychological connection with that. So recently I've been trying to put the focus on making sure that I'm being active and eating healthy. And, but I still have that in my mind that the, the number on a weight scale is the, the truest reflection of, of how you're right. doing. So how do you avoid, um, becoming fixated on something like I know a lot of people that um had alcoholism and they quit drinking but then got really really into working out like obsessively working out lifting weights you know and so I see a lot of switched addiction and I think it just has has to do with with your focus and I've heard you say that you should focus on one thing and I think that's really good advice but how do you avoid becoming obsessed with it while still maintaining some kind of balance well I had found that because I i focus in on that, that if I wasn't moving towards the goal that I wanted, that I just, it made everything else worse. So I, I've adjusted it now that I'm having, so now I, I want to spend time learning Photoshop. That's something I've been working on recently, different show progress in. So since I've been able to see that I'm moving towards a goal, I don't get as hung up if I'm not doing so well with my diet, which I, I happen to do be doing well with again. But yeah, I have seen that, that um, in my life, I've gone from these extremes. So when I had, had been eating unhealthy, it was very unhealthy. But when I, I tried to maintain a good diet, I was measuring everything and had everything to an exact science where I've, I'm coming to realize now that it's more about just having balance and not oscillating between these two extremes. Right. And I think I, I see that a lot in millennials. Um, and I, I guess I'm kind of wondering if 
this listlessness is like a, a general, a generational issue. And it's kind of a, a manifestation of our nihilism because I, I have so many male friends in like the age group of, I don't know, 24 to 40 or so that don't know what they want to do with their lives that, that feel lost. They're angry and they don't know why I see this a lot in women too. Um, so do you think that the future offer the self-authoring program is a good way for us to regain that direction as a generation? And do you think it would improve society um, on the whole? I certainly do. Um, so if, when I was going through my social justice warrior phase, I thought that the way society is structured now, that school is this sort of like a cheese grater system that's, that's, or like a, a, a Play-Doh that has different shapes and it's, it's squeezing out different roles. And I thought, you know, if, because I'd spent time uh, in, the, in the Pacific, in the South Pacific, seeing cultures where they don't have this diversification of jobs and also studying ancient Hinduism, I just saw that any uh, boy would just follow in whatever their father's job was. And it was never this big issue of what will I become one day? And that I just, I feel like that was something I was hung up on thinking, what will I be one day? And I was oriented when I was younger. I thought I wanted to be a football player or an accountant. And when I saw that that wasn't the life for me, I just felt like saying, ah, forget it. Like this, I just was someone who complained and was full of resentment and thought that all of my problems were due to the way that society was structured. So I just, I became interested in meditation and trying to find joy in the present and thinking that the future is an illusion. But there, there is some truth to that, that society is responsible. Um, I mean, because th this affliction, I, I see it so commonly. I think it's because young men especially, they used to have purpose-driven existences. We used to be able to tell them, if you work really hard and get this and get a good job, you can have a stable life, you can have a family uh, you'll want for, for nothing. And we can't, in good faith, tell young men anymore that and, and men that anymore and so they feel um they feel lost and they have all this energy that they can't harness and it really it really does damage to them um and so i one of the reasons that i wanted to have you on is is i just hear it so often and i want to tell men that there's a way that they can improve the quality of their life and i think it is the self-authoring program but i haven't done it myself so i'm not entirely certain well for me what i found that it helped me to realize was that when I, when I used to think of the future, it was something I didn't want to do. I just figured uh, things are going to get worse and I'm, I'm not able to pick exactly what I want. But it doesn't exactly ask you, okay, what, what's the job that you want? I just tried to envision a future in which I would think would be best for me, best for my family, best for my friends. How would I be interacting with my friends and family? How would I spend leisure time? And so from there, I've been trying to build what my life would be and what career would best suit me to have that type of life. So it's, it's as if I've been walked around it and you're, you're getting to the point where before, <laughs> if, if you just try to think of the future and what you want to do, where especially now there's so many different types of jobs, you don't know what's stable. Mm -hmm. it's, it's hard to pick. So what does your desired future look like now? So I'm, I'm not, completely certain because um, for the longest time I wanted to live in the South Pacific. But a, a reason for that was that I 
I didn't like Canada, but but now I do. So I I'm I'm soon probably early next year going to go back to the South Pacific to see if I still have a desire to live there. But at the moment, if I could think of what I would like to be doing, it would be able to have a remote job in which I could work from where I want. So if I say I would like to live in the South Pacific, um, it would involve being creative. I, I, I love editing. I'd love to be able to use those skills. So I'm, I'm still fine-tuning exactly what that job would be, but it's uh, first I'm trying to nail where I want that to be, and that will put, play a big part of what I'll be doing. Do you think maybe it's your channel? I'm I'm not sure. Like when I first started, it it was just off of a whim. Obviously, yeah, I, I would I would like for that to happen, but uh, I'm just going to keep working on it and have it as something on the side, and we'll see what happens. Okay, okay. Um, I guess we should shift gears. I wanted to ask you a little bit um, about your marriage. I know that this might be a little sensitive topic, but I've heard you talk about this on your channel. And I hear also a lot from young men that are uh, so, they're disenfranchised and disillusioned with Western women. And they are like, no Western women. So they're like, I'm going to go to Eastern Europe. I'm going to go to the South Pacific. I'm going to meet a traditional woman. And what I hear time and time again from them is this delusion that there's going to be no associated risk. And I, I tell them like, you know, just because societies are patriarchal or they're somewhat traditional, it doesn't mean that you're going to get exactly what you want. You'll have to stay in that woman's country or you'll bring her back and she'll become a westernized feminist. Um, it's not all going to be, you know, rainbows and kittens. Like you have to think about what the risk is associated there. So I thought your story was... Um, I, I hate to say this, it sounds so inhuman, but it's a, it's a bit of a cautionary tale for, for men that do that. And I would really love to hear uh, some of the damage that, that it caused, some of the lessons that it taught you, and a little bit about the situation itself, if you're comfortable sharing. Sure. So growing up, I just never, I guess I'd, I'd be called a beta. I thought, you know, I'm, I'm one of these guys that, oh, I respect women so much that I won't even approach them or, or try to talk to them. And yeah, I guess I had this idea of thinking that uh, women say that men are too aggressive or they're too this or that. So I thought I'll, I'll try to be like that. And so I, I just, I never had any, any luck. I never, I never had a girlfriend. And then when I found myself in Tonga, I just, I, I felt attractive and, and felt that, uh, I guess I had options. And then so I, I had my first girlfriend and I just rushed into it. And then what it turned out was that she was under pressure from her, her family and she didn't really have these feelings for me. So I found that out after. Did they fetishize Western men and American men? I think it's maybe a, a lot of people from those countries look to uh, either move to Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the United States, so that they, because there's not really any opportunities for them to work or make money. So a lot of them, they'll, they'll go out to these countries and, and send money back. Right. And also, I feel like their marriage is more of a, it, it's as if it's something you have to do because there's not, you can't decide to just be by yourself and have, have no children and do your own thing. You, you sort of, have to have a family to have you want to get married so that you can have kids so that your kids will be able to look after you one day and that you'll have people to help you you know go fishing or or get 
your vegetables from the plantation. I mean, do you think that this was something that was essential for your personal growth or do you, do you reflect on this like it was a big mistake in your life? What, what do you wish you would have done uh, the same or differently regarding your experiences in the South Pacific? For when I first moved back to Canada, oh, it was horrible. I felt really bad about it, but I, I just wanted to be happy. And I, I feel like that's what started me off on a path of trying to see things from a different perspective. And I eventually came to the perspective that if I had known then what I know now, then I wouldn't have done what I did then. And then I wouldn't know what I now know. So I, I don't regret it. And I, I feel as if I, I did learn from it. Um, if anything, yeah, I, I would, I would just know now that you obviously you don't rush into things like that and just get, get carried away. But as I said, it was my, my first girlfriend and that was just something I always wanted. I and I always thought, ah, cause people always say, oh, it'll happen for you one day. It'll happen. And then it just felt like it never would. And I, I don't know, I guess I was just trying to grab onto something that was the first thing that ever was real yeah. for me. And that first boyfriend or girlfriend, like people are always like, don't get caught up in it. But it's just, it's impossible not to. It's like a drug. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There's no stopping it. Yeah. What can you do? So is marriage something that you see in your future now? Do you want to have a family? Um, I did notice you put out a video about uh, kind of rejoining the dating scene. So yeah, for years, I just, uh, I avoided it. Even when I came back, I was still just ha had convinced myself that, um, that I was this beta and not, not worth it. And I just had this image in my head. And I, I, that's something, again, I, I've been trying to do in sorting myself out just to get over that. So I, I have been going on dates and getting over that issue. And yeah, I, probably for a few years, I was uh, looking at that type of MGTOW philosophy, but I, I, don't, I don't see things that way anymore because I, beca I became, I was seeing Western women and through a certain lens, and then I real I realized it was just the way I was seeing things, and that obviously not all all women are like that. Yeah, but a lot of them are, <laughs> like a whole lot of them. <laughs> I mean, I, I sympathize. I said I sympathize with MGTOW. I understand being so rejected and abused by the women in your own community that you're like, "Fuck you, I'm out." And you know, so I know that they're dicks sometimes and stuff. But I I understand their general philosophy, I guess. Uh, so are you on any dating websites or anything like that? Uh, what is it? <laughs> Using Tinder and, and Bumble and just, I pretty much just say, oh, would, would you like to go for a coffee? Is that, is Tinder, I thought Tinder, I was always under the impression it was like the sex app. I've, I've heard other people say that and I haven't seen that at all on there. It just seems like people who are looking to meet other people. That's so interesting. I now know two married couples that met on Tinder. And when they told me that, I was like, what? But I met my fiance on Match.com and my sister met her husband on Match.com. So I, you know, you have to go on a lot of bad dates, but eventually you kind of get used to it. And when you move to a new city, um, I don't know how else you meet people. You don't want to meet your significant other at a bar or, I mean, where, where do you even go? I know people that are older that are horrified that so many of us are linking up because of um, dating websites. They're like, they're like, that's not a real way to meet somebody. I'm like, pray tell, you know, we're not going to the discotheque or whatever. Like there's no other way, especially in a new city to meet people. So what have your experiences online been like? Have you been meeting like a good caliber of woman? Yeah, the experiences have been all right. Um, yeah, really nice people. Just, uh, again, for me, it's, 
I've it's something I've just been trying to get over my self doubt, I guess. But yeah, the the dates I've gone on, they've been yeah, really nice, uh, nice people. Yeah. Do you get nervous? I was at first, but I don't. I still a little bit, but not yeah. nearly as much as I used to. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard. Like I was trying to describe to my parents what it's like, and it's like a it's like a blind date every time you know it's it's so nerve-wracking and i've actually gone out with guys um where later dates went really well but like the first one or two were just disasters and i think it's because people just takes a few minutes a few hours kind of to open up to each other and conversation isn't always immediate so i mean stick with it you'll you'll find somebody eventually online dating is it's not as bad as everybody everybody thinks it is um, so I wanted to ask you a few questions. I watched your most recent video and I was surprised that you talked a lot about, um, tripping on mushrooms. And I thought this was so interesting because I, I've loved your videos that you've done on lucid dreaming. And you talked about that with Jordan Peterson. Um, so I guess my first question is like, I, I know a lot about hallucinogens and it blows my mind that somebody would opt to do this alone. You must be a low anxiety individual. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've always, I've considered myself anxious and I think it was the first time I tried it. Well, before that I'd, when I was growing up, I was Catholic and I just, I was so against it. And so the first time I tried marijuana, I think I was 25 and then I thought, okay, maybe I'll, I'll try mushrooms. I just heard about them. And the, the first time was at a, a rugby party with lots of people and my friend gave them to me and I took, I'm like, how many do I eat? He's like, oh, I'll just eat all of them. <laughs> and I, I had this, cra- I couldn't be around anyone. I just needed to be alone. And just, I find that everything was taking on, my brain was making these connections of things I wouldn't have seen before. And then I, the next time I, I thought, oh, sorry, the first time I thought, oh, this is dangerous. I don't know what's going to happen. I was freaking out. But then I researched it and found out that you physically can't eat enough to actually be in any danger. So I went into it with a different mindset and I, I wanted to be alone. And I just had this incredible experience where this may sound odd, but I felt as if I, w- I was God, not in a controlling sense. Like I'm not in control of, of growing my, my fingernails. I can't force it. So it wasn't like I was this controlling figure. But in it like just, an understanding sense, like a knowledge sense. Yeah. That is a, as whatever it is, at the beginning, even though that doesn't make sense to say, whatever it was before time had just come to be realized. And so I was just things that you just take for granted. So for example, I remember once in Samoa, I, it's very hot there. And I I had this bottle of water that I would keep in the freezer so that it would get nice and cold. And I, I took it out, went outside and then all this condensation was forming around it. And it was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen where if you if you try to explain that to someone who's never had psilocybin, they'd say you were look, in awe looking at a water bottle. That just sounds stupid. But I just found that I was able to appreciate things much more and see things in a different different perspective. Yeah, and get down on like a micro level, notice things that you otherwise you otherwise wouldn't. Um, but in your last video, you talk about having a specific revelation with this most recent mushroom trip. And I, I kind of wanted to hear people to hear about that. I thought it was really interesting. So I, because, well, I've recently done this, uh, Jordan Peterson's new personality assessment and said that I'm very neurotic. And part of that is that you always 
would look back and feel as if things went so wrong. And that's how I felt. So I'd always wish that I could go back to when I was playing rugby in New Zealand and had taken the opportunity to, to live there or if I could go back in school and just apply myself or there's just, I'd spent so much time in my life wishing I could go back in time and do things differently. So in this, I actually vividly went through that experience as if I went back to my younger self. And I just found that no matter what I did, if I came back to present day, there'd be something just so unsatisfying that I, all I wanted was to come back to this act, this present day and, and live that way from here. And, and same with, I felt as if I went to the future and, and saw myself, what it would be like if all my bad habits get worse. So all these times where I wish I could go back and tell my younger self, you should live a certain way. It was as if that future came to now and it just gave me this this wake up call. And so since then, uh, I, I've been I feel as if I've been much more productive and not wasting time. So you kind of had the realization that you were being weighed down with regret, and that it wasn't benefiting you in any way to to focus on this. Because in that in that timeline, it would be unsatisfying. You'd want to come back to this timeline. I think that that's what's so interesting about me. Like I've always understand understood hallucination to um, not be such a dynamic process. Like I, I think more about visual hallucinations, like what you talked about with the condensation and the water bottle, but like that is a deep multidimensional, meaningful understanding that's going to change the course of your life. Yeah. I've <laughs> never had anything like that. And it just, I, it felt just so real. And once it was over, I, I just, I, I couldn't believe it. I'd never felt like that in my life. So you you find yourself now not reflecting on the mistakes that you've made or focusing on them like you did before. Yeah, I, I haven't been. I'm, I, I can't I can't tell you. I used to spend so much time just looking back and just wishing I could go back in time and do things differently. And I just don't feel the need to do that anymore. Or the I just know that this. Okay, I can't. I don't have a way of proving this, but if say I could go back to 1995. If any one thing had happened differently, just the way in which everything's connected, everything everything else would be different. So anyone, it was as if anyone born after 1995 wouldn't have been born because that that person being born, anyone born after that time, depended on the moment of conception happening in the exact same way, the exact right, same right. time. So I just found myself in this future that no matter what I changed, different like. It was like everything, I still had this same level level of dissatisfaction that no matter how one thing improved, it just had an effect that evened out everything else. Yeah, yeah. Regret's a slippery slope like that. I mean, <laughs> but I definitely know people that, that live with this mentality like regret nothing. And, you know, I've lived like that before, whatever you, young people tend to do it. But it's this, it's this tendency to self-destruct and so you don't want to be like that either but if you're constantly focusing the mistakes you've made it just draws attention away from what needs to be done now and it can really really affect your life especially if you have a lot of shame associated with your regrets so so i'm happy that i'm happy you had a drug-induced clarifying experience yeah um and something else i want to talk to you about that's kind of related to this is um lucid dreaming you've talked about this a lot on your channel and um i'm a marijuana user so i don't dream a lot. I used to have really horrifying 
frightening nightmares and I'd have some of the same ones uh, repeatedly. And most of the time, it got to the point where most of the time that I was dreaming, I was I was waking up after having like a, like a really bad lucid nightmare where I'm being chased or I'm falling, things like that. Um, so is there anything that I can do outside of using marijuana, which if you guys don't know, completely takes away your ability to dream. <laughs> it's like no dreams. Um, how I can control my my nightmares because I'm going to have to quit soon. It's, it's just not going to work. And uh, I'd like to go back to like those sleep, you know, good sleeping nights where I didn't wake up scared. <laughs> if well, I, I believe you're, you're still dreaming. It's just, you, you don't have the ability to recall it or it, it's just, it, it's gone. Cause I've, when I was in, in my heavy usage uh, phase, I just barely be able to recall, but it, it would just slip out of my hands yeah, uh, yeah. So, so fast. But for tips on how to develop it, well, for me, I can recall. It's as if so many dreams in my life I can recall as if it's any memory that I had. They've just I've always had these deep, mystical type dreams. But and I found that I would lucid dream just every once in a while. And I, how I developed it was, I started off by throughout the day. I just I'd look at my thumb because your your thumbprint is so it's it's so detailed. Where a dream you're not going to have that same level of detail. Where and also in dreams things change so much. You'll find that you're talking to your one friend and all of a sudden it's it's your uncle. So you'll if if you do it periodically throughout the day, you'll eventually do it in a dream. And then so in the dream, you'll something will just seem off because dreams. You know, you're all, you're in grade. You'll find yourself back in grade school, but it just seems normal to you. Where if you all of a sudden think, "Wait, why am I in school?" and then so go and you'll look at your thumb to check if you're actually dreaming or not, and you'll just see that it looks weird. And at that point, um, you're you're lucid. So when I, I remember the first time it actually happened for me. So in the stream, I'm someone who's too agreeable, and I I let people get away with things. And I, so I, I'm at this grocery store and the person who was serving me was being very rude. And then, so I'm walking away and I'm just so angry. And then I realize I'm dreaming. And I look at my thumb and then I just I like flew over and like, the, I just wanted to just like, I let this rage boil over and then I just, I woke up. So it's, a, you also have to learn to not get excited. If you, if you realize you're lucid, you can get too excited at first and, it, and then you'll, wake you'll, up. Yeah. So do you think that that was your psyche telling you something deeper about your personality flaws, perhaps? Yeah. So another thing, um, even if you develop the ability to be lucid, there's, there's no point if you can't remember. So the, the first thing to work on is being able to recall your dreams. So I, I started with a, a dream journal. Just keep one by your bed. And when you go to sleep, have the intention that you want to remember your dreams. And as soon as you wake up, don't uh, don't roll or, or change positions. If you stay, as soon as you wake up, if your eyes open, just try to think, what was I dreaming? And don't try to force it. And you'll you'll just find that it's, it'll just all come to you. And then you'll be able to write it down. So I started with that, and I found that I had the same types of dreams happening over and over. And one thing that I noticed was that I'd be very subservient to people who I thought were, were better than me. And I'd, I'd be really rude and put people down who I thought were lower than me. And I, I just saw that, that I just realized that it's something I, I shouldn't be doing. And yeah, certainly I, I use dreams as a way of, of seeing what I need to work on. 
So the analysis from your lucid dreaming, did that illuminate anything that you later were able to validate from doing um, the most recent Jordan Peterson personality assessment? Is it called understanding myself? Yeah, under, understandmyself.com. Yeah, I, ser- I see the way, I, f- I feel that I learn more about myself from dreams when I'm not lucid because ev- eventually it sounds really exciting if, uh, to be able to just lucid dream when you want, but sometimes it can get boring. So sometimes I'll, I'll just allow myself to not be lucid because I find in those dreams you can learn a lot more about yourself. But I'd say what, I'd, what you do learn from lucid dreams is there's how do I describe that there's a certain animal part side to you so I remember at first I'd just be there'd be a buffet of of food and you'd just be eating or say uh, if there's females imagine if you can do anything you want you you would so when you spend your time doing that or just flying or doing these fun things eventually you think, wait, what? I could have done anything. Like, why would I spend all of my time doing that? But you find in those moments, like, it, so you're lucid, you feel like you're in control, but then you think, was I really in control? If I just, if all I did in a dream was were, were those things. Indulge your animal instincts. <laughs> yeah, and you can just feel it as if, it's like, well, I, it, I wasn't really in control. So same in waking life that you, sometimes you're, you're run by that same part of you where eventually I got to the point where I'd be lucid in a dream and I decided to sit down and meditate and just focus on my breathing. Or one of the, the best things that I do, again, to, to, if you want to learn about yourself, is to look in a mirror and see what your self-image is. Or you can, if there's, say, a woman, instead of just doing whatever you want, just go and talk to them. Because that's really something that your your subconscious is generating. And you can have this you'll get really weird answers or also like I'll, I'll, I'll read a book. It's, it's really hard to do, but it's something you have to work on or you can watch uh, a movie or TV. And that's probably the strangest thing to do. Within your lucid dream. Yep. Wow. That is crazy. Yeah, I didn't know you uh, had that much I'll, control. Can you, can you decide what you're going to do? Like as though it's in your real life. Yeah, so it, uh, sometimes before I go to sleep, I'll say what what's something I would like to do or, or work on. And then, yeah, you go in with that mission. Um, or a lot of times, like, I'll find that animals will show up. So I had one recently where these two massive black wolves sh- showed up, and they're very, they're trying to intimidate you. So even though you're lucid and you know it's a dream, they're still... Part, it's like if you go to see if you go to watch a horror movie, you know that you're in a movie and that it's a screen and that it's actors, right. but, but still it knows how to elicit. So in the dreams, I I try to stay completely calm and uh, and it's I it, so in that dream when I saw these two wolves, I had this dog with me, and at first I wanted to get my dog to fight them and then I somehow merge them all into one and it it, it, it makes sense at the time because dreams they're, they're, they're symbolic right it, it was as if I had I was trying to work against myself because those wolves are being generated by me but somehow I pulled all these parts in in together 
That's so crazy. Wow. How long did it take you to develop this, this skill set, this insane skill set that allows you to go on adventures of your choosing at any time? So to be able to lucid dream, it probably, I'd say a month and a half, but then, and then another couple months after that, to be able to get to the point of just doing whatever you want and, and having control. So like, say at first, if, if, uh, you find yourself in, I remember one, I found myself in a, in a trailer of, of a truck and no matter what I did, I, I couldn't get out of it. And you're trying to force your way. Like it's, you can rip through this wall and no matter what you do, this just new wall will appear and it's all coming from a sense of will. And then same with flying. If you, you try, you have to like try to flap yourself and really run. Like a lot of people have dreams where they're trying to punch someone and they feel like they can just barely do it where you learn to do without trying to do. So I just, it's a matter of having confidence. And so now if I want to fly in a dream, there's no effort involved. There's no amount of trying to do it. I just, it's, I'm, it's like you're Neo in, in the matrix. Or if I want to walk through a wall, if there's any amount of effort of trying to do it, it won't happen. You just have to have, know that it's a dream and that you can do it and just do it with confidence. And I think that, is the same for waking life. You have to have that same type of confidence to do things. Well, hopefully we can reconvene and I can tell you that I've been having crazy lucid dreams where I'm just like murdering leftists indiscriminately <laughs> and I'm just joking. Um, before we go, I just wanted to ask you a few questions about this personality test. Um, I know we don't know each other. This is the first time we've talked, but I was so surprised by your results from this, this Jordan Peterson thing, um, particularly with your low conscientiousness score. That was really surprising to me. Um, so I just want to talk about why these these results end up so different because I've heard this from a few people that they got vastly different results than you know their self-reflection um, and do you think that that's because your self-image is different than reality or I mean you seem like you have a really good grasp of who you are as a person and um, you know what your strengths and weaknesses are when I was filling it out I, f I found it very difficult for, for only probably I'd say less than 25% of the questions was I able to confidently answer and say, Oh yeah, this is definitely, um, cause you'd, you'd pick out a one to five being very much agree, very much disagree, somewhat agree, or you're in the middle. Um, and I, and rarely did I pick either of the, of the extremes. A lot of them were in the middle and just took me a long time to answer. And I've heard Jordan Peterson talk about it in some of his personality lectures that, I can't remember what trade it falls under that, but some people, I think he had a client where she could only either really like a song or really hate it. And she couldn't pick like her top 10, her, her top 10 favorite songs and rank them. So I don't know if that's an issue with me and the, the way I'm able to see myself because I do feel that I'm low in conscientiousness, but to get that low and like people have said, so if I'm, I'm able to put out these videos and on time and, Especially with my work, I feel very conscientious. But yeah, maybe it's just the way in which I, I see myself. I, and I'm, I'm trying to understand that. Well, it must be because you had that dream where you were treating people that were beneath you badly, but you were cowering to people that, that outrank you. So maybe this is all just a self-image thing. That's so interesting that you can cross-reference these results with your lucid dreaming. Yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I feel lucky to have that ability. And but I, I got away from it. It's it's like anything. You you have to work on it. It's 
when you wake up in the morning, you 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 want to just roll over. It's it takes an effort to write out what you just dreamed about. But to anyone watching, if just try it for a week, and you'll learn a lot about yourself. And as you continue to do it, you get a lot more out of it. Definitely. Uh, well, I think that's where we're going to wrap up. Uh, thank you so much for hosting this on your channel. I really appreciate it. Um, for especially young men that are coming from my corner of YouTube, please check him out and watch his videos. His channel is obviously sorting myself out. His name is Andrew. I am Blonde in the Belly of the Beast. Check me out if you're from Andrew's corner. Um, it was so nice to talk to you. And thank you again. I'm really sorry about all the technical difficulties. We've been trying to schedule this for like a month, but I had all this other stuff going on. So I really appreciate it. And I hope I can talk to you again soon. Definitely. Take care. Thanks again. Bye. Bye. Bye.